to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe Pettick teaches from the book of Revelation. Chapter 2. Why don't you turn with me? We're going through the wonderful book of Revelation. We're picking up in chapter 2, verse 1. The title of our message is First Love. When I was in the corporate world, I was managing a water meter company and ended up being like a general manager of the company, was supposed to be 51% owner of the company. But we used to do yearly evaluation forms. We would evaluate our employees. We would, you know, sit down with the supervisors, with others that were, you know, involved with the employees to get input uh, to see how dependable they were, what their attitudes were, their quality of work, their attendance, their productivity, and, and we would rate them. We would have a rating system, and we would you know, use these forms to kind of determine if they were to be promoted, if they were to get a raise, if they were to be let go, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's just a way for us to kind of evaluate and, and to, uh, you know, to see their performance. In these next two chapters, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to do an evaluation on the church as a whole. And in this evaluation, we're going to see kind of like a form that's filled out. You know, John the Apostle is going to write down the evaluation, and he's going to go through seven different churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor, the seven churches that are there in the western side of modern-day Turkey. And he's going to kind of go through each church, and he's going to do an evaluation. And I believe it's important that we listen because the evaluation is for us. When we look at the different churches that are evaluated, we're going to see, you know, he says in his letters, you know, uh, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the, the Spirit is saying to the church is. Even though it's an individual church, he says church is. It's, it's plural, not just that particular church, but every letter we're going to read is going to apply to each one of us. And hopefully we can do a self-evaluation and we can evaluate where we're at spiritually. So the very first church is the church of Ephesus. And we're going to read here in our text verses 1 through 7 of Revelation chapter 2. Don't forget there's a blessing. I don't want to, I want to bring that out again. There's a blessing when we just read this word. There's a blessing when we hear it. And then when we leave those doors, there's another blessing, a threefold blessing as we apply the wonderful word of God. So let's take a look. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Notice it's in red. Jesus speaking to John the apostle to write down what he's saying. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear with those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and found them liars, and you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where, excuse me, remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7, last verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. 
First letter to Ephesus. The evaluation, as we just talked about, goes out. Uh, Just for a background, uh, if you're a note taker, uh, Ephesus was the largest city in Asia Minor, and it was actually the capital of the uh, the province of Asia Minor. So it was the capital. It was a a city that uh, was was great with trade and business. It was a, a booming city. So if you would have gone to Ephesus, it would have been, you know, a happening place. It was, you know, a lot of commerce, a lot of business going on. Uh, it was known primarily for the temple Diana. If you've studied the Bible at all, you've heard this before, but there was a, a huge temple there. And it was actually, this place was known as the religious center of the Roman the Roman Empire. Everybody from the Roman Empire would come to this place to worship this goddess called Diana. And Diana was uh, the goddess of fertility. So I don't even, I can't even talk about what they would do, how they would worship her. But let me tell you this, it was not good. It was very perverse. It was very, um, it was sexual. It was bad. And that's how they worshiped. And this was the, the, you know, the false worship capital of the empire, of the Roman Empire. So everybody would go to this place. But the good thing is there was a church there. In the midst of the perversion and idolatry and the false worship, there was a church, the church in Ephesus. And for you note-takers also, Paul the Apostle, we know from the book of Acts that you know, he spent like three years there ministering. He was a pastor. Timothy ended up taking over. He was a pastor there. If you know anything about the book of Acts, you know Aquila and Priscilla ministered there in Ephesus. Apollos, remember Apollos, the eloquent speaker? He ministered there. And even, and this is a good note to take, because I maybe, I don't know if many of you know this, even the Apostle John, the apostle that's writing this, uh, church history, the early church history tells us the last 10 years of his life, he went to Ephesus and he was ministering. He was a pastor there. So think of this. You've got this, this, the, the temple Diana there, false worship, pagan worship, people traveling from all over the Roman Empire to, to go to this place. And then you have this church, the church of Ephesus, that is being pastored by these wonderful different pastors with great leadership. So with that being said, look back if you can. Look, look at verse 1 again. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I want to point out, I pointed out uh, this last week, but the, the word angel can also be translated messenger. And I like that because the messenger could also mean that it's, uh, this letter is going to the pastor of the church. And the reason why I like it so much, because uh, if you remember the seven stars, remember who the seven stars were? The seven angels right? The seven stars were the seven angels. So if this is the seven angels, and they're not literal angels, but the seven messengers or the seven pastors of the church, it says that he's holding us in his right hand. And I like that, to know that the ministers, the, those that are ministering in the house of the Lord, Jesus says, I'm holding you in my right hand. In other words, I'm, I'm, I'm carrying you through this. And let me tell you if, you, if you minister and you're a pastor of a church, you want Jesus to hold you up. Do I, can I get an amen for that? <laughs> you want your pastor to be held up by the hand of Jesus. And I believe that there's a very good strong argument to that, that this most likely is talking about the pastor. But notice, remember the seven golden lampstands. Uh, just a little quiz. I don't want to put too many on the spot, but lampstands. What is the lampstand? Anybody you can go ahead. Anybody knows? 
the churches, the lampstands are the churches. Jesus, do you notice he walks in the midst of them? That doesn't say he's standing in the church, like she's walking in the midst of the church right now. So Jesus is walking. (laughs) Jesus is walking. She's not standing. And think through that for a minute. If he was standing there, it would be, to me, it's like saying that he's not very active. He's just standing there, just watching. But I see the picture as Jesus is walking in the midst of his, his churches. He's walking in the midst of us. In other words, he's active. He's current. He's right there. He's ministering. As we're ministering to people, he's right there and he's ministering with us. He's walking. He's not standing in the midst of his churches. And I'll give the Lord an amen for that. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to note that this was a serving church. Did you notice that? This was a serving church. I know your works, your labors. The word labor, if you're a note taker, means to toil to the point of exhaustion. If you look up that word in the Greek, it's not just labor, like they're labor. It means they're toiling to the, the point of exhaustion. This church was laboring so hard that they, they physically were exhausted. They went home and they're like, oh, I just want to hit the bed. I don't think it, they weren't weary because it says they weren't weary. They weren't weary of the ministry. They weren't like, oh, this ministry is weary me. No, they were just so tired because they were laboring and serving the Lord. Now, that's a good example for us. And it's good. And I want you to note something, too. This is a condemn, not a condemnation. This is a, a com- commendation. He's, he's commending them for what they're doing here. He's saying, this is good. You are laboring hard. You're working hard. And it's a good thing. I think about it. They probably had a soup kitchen. They probably had, you know, they fed the poor. They probably clothed those in need. They, they probably had a homeless ministry. They probably, you know, they, they were helping the sick. They were going to the prisons. I bet you they, they went into the, the Temple of Diana. I bet you they had teams that just went out there, you know, standing out in front. Hey, guys, can I tell you, I know you're going to go worship Diana, but uh, do you know Jesus? And they were laboring, sharing the gospel, being used by God. I believe we have a church here that labors. I was told just recently that we have 50 workers in our children's ministry. 50 people are in our children's ministry. I was blown away. I was like, really? 50 people? And this size of a church, that's huge. We're a serving church. I, I pray we always are a serving church. Our worship ministry, I'm loving the fact that the Lord's raising more people up in the worship ministry. You know why? When, when people come to church here, they realize, wait, I'm called to serve. Do you know you're not called to just sit on that seat? Did you know that? We're all called to serve. We're all called to to be used by God. We're not just pew warmers. You know, if you're a pew warmer here, God's saying, pew. (laughs) Seriously. He's walking around here. He's saying, oh, that stinks. You're just sitting there. You're getting fed. You're getting the word of God. You're going to become spiritually obese, and you're going to be no good for the kingdom. You, you need to get up out of your seat. You need to be used by the Lord. And I believe, for the most part, we have a serving church. We're serving one another. We're, we're supposed to serve because we're the body of Christ. There's, some of us are eyes. Some of us are hands. I happen to be a mouth. But if, they get, <laughs> but if you're not serving and using the gifts that God has given you, then we're all missing out. We're missing out. If you're not using your gifts and talents, this was a serving church, and don't miss this. Jesus is walking in the midst of it, and he says, I want to point something out. You guys labor to a point of exhaustion in the church, and I commend you for that. The evaluation form, servanthood, excellent. Laboring, excellent, all the way. 
This was a separated church. Did you know that? They were, were not able to bear with those who were evil. They weren't, they weren't just a servant church. They were a separated church. They, they separated from those that were wicked and evil. They said, no, no, I'm not going to hang out with those people. I'm not gonna, doesn't mean we don't go and minister to them, but, but, but they hated those that were evil. They, 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 they didn't bear with them. They didn't allow them to walk in the church. Say, oh, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. And then, and then their lifestyle is just so wicked and so vile. No, no, they dealt with that. They confronted that. They said, well, wait a second. Don't call yourself a Christian. Do me a favor. Just don't call yourself a Christian if you come to this church. Because if you don't call yourself a Christian, you want to come in here, you can live any way you want. You hear the word of God. But once you say, I'm a brother or sister in Christ, then you can't be living in sin. You can't be living a corrupt life. And they dealt with that. They were a separated church. And he's commending them, and that's good. They were a church of the word of God. Did you notice that? They called out false teachers, those that said they were apostles. They knew the word of God so well, someone would go up, a visiting uh, preacher would come through, and he'd start preaching and say, oh, I'm apostle Jim, and the God thus saith the Lord this. And they'd say, you're a liar. That doesn't line up with my word. We're people of the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, we can't buy into that. This is a good church. They were a patient church, verse 3. They were a discerning church. They discerned good and evil. They knew who the false teachers were. I believe anyone that went to this church would say, this is a happening church, the church of Ephesus. Outwardly, they were, they were great. But something's wrong. And only Jesus knew it. He was the only one that can come up with an evaluation as we're going to look at. He knew there was something wrong. A few months ago, I had to go to the DMV to, to renew my driver's license. And it was actually awesome. I got to minister to the lady there. Then I had to do the eye test. <laughs> I have terrible vision when it comes to distance. So I stood up there and she says, okay, read this line. I think it was the bottom line. And I was like, I'm looking, it's blurrier than blur. I can't read it. And I don't want to have to put that I need, drive, I need glasses for my driver's license, all that stuff. So I'm like, I'm interested. I'm praying. I just got done ministering to this lady. And I'm, like, and I'm like, okay. And I'm just smiling. She says, read that. I'm like smiling, looking at him like, I can't read a word it says. I'm like this. And I'm looking. I'm staring. I'm like, I can't read that. I'm like, God, please help me read this. And then I started squinting my eyes like this. And I started moving them and just kind of moving them around until I could finally focus a little bit. And then I look at the first one, and it looks like either an A or an R, or I'm not sure. And I go, A, and she goes, that's good. And I'm like, that's good. <laughs> and she says, the next one. And I says, yep. And then I'm like, that's an eight or a B or, a, or I don't know. And I'm looking, I'm squinting. I'm like, B, and she goes, that's very good. I'm like, no way. <laughs> And I'm just down a room like, Lord, you and me, we can do this. You know, like, yeah. And I'm just, I'm literally cannot read this. And I'm just squinting and guessing. And I got everyone right. And I'm thinking, no way. I did it. And I'm thinking it's over. And she goes, now I want you to cover, take this piece of paper and cover your right eye. And I covered my right. I'm telling you, I kid you not, no joking aside, it's a hundred times worse than it was before. And now everything's a blur. I can't see a thing. And I got this over my eye. And she says, okay. And I'm like smiling. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, Lord, you did it once. We can do it again. (laughs) And I can't read it. And I'm like, Lord, and I'm praying. It's still not working. I'm squinting. I'm trying to squint that one eye. And I'm like, I can't do it. It just isn't working. And as I'm praying, I'm moving it away from my eye. All of a sudden, I moved it far enough away where I I could use both eyes now. (laughs) 
And I'm looking at her, and she's just smiling. I'm smiling, you know, and I'm like, and I did it again. Okay, a B, and she's like, right? And I'm, I'm like, Lord, I, there's no way. And I'm like, and I just said, Lord, just give me peace. I don't want to wear glasses for this. Come on. And then just, I got everyone right. And I was thinking, yeah, it's crazy, right? <laughs> it's like, don't drive near me, especially at nighttime, you know? But I do okay nearsighted. It's farsighted. I can't read the signs from a distance. But I was thinking about, you know, how I fooled her. God knows I'm blind as a bat. I fooled her. But I didn't fool God. This church might have fooled everybody, but this church didn't fool God. They had everything going for them except one major thing, as we know when we read, and we'll look at it again in verse 4. It says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. This laboring church, this patient church, this thriving church, this happening church, this discerning church, this word of God church, this, this church that just totally counted on the word of God and knew and discerned when false teachers came in. They had one thing in their heart that maybe no one else knew, but Jesus walks through and he says, you, you left your first love. Notice it says left. A lot of people misquote this, and I'm sure I've misquoted it before and said they lost their first. It doesn't say they lost their first love. They left it. They didn't lose it. And you'll hear different P. I've even heard pastors. I've even you know, read commentaries. They use the word lost. Wait, I'm saying, no, it says left. It doesn't say lost. It's left. If you lose something, you don't know where to find it. It's lost, right? It's lost. It's, I, I lost my keys. I don't know where to find it. I'm looking around. It's lost. I don't know where it's at. But when you leave something, you leave something on a table. It's like, I'm going to leave it there. and I'm going to come back to it. So he says, you just you left it there. And Jesus is saying, you left it. You didn't lose it. You left it. So go back and pick it up, and you, you know where to go back to. You left that first love. The church left that intimate relationship they had once with Jesus, and they were laboring so hard, they left the main thing out, which was the main thing, is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and they left it out. And we have to beware in ministry. We have to beware in our lives. We have to beware that we're, we're not too busy that we leave out the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. And if you get to a point in your life where the things in your life are choking out that relationship you have with God, you need to push those things aside. And you need to go back. He says, you left it. You left that place. You, you left that place where you once were with Jesus, where you once were in that loving relationship. God saved us to have a loving relationship, primarily not to be his servants. It's great to be his servants. We should serve, but we should serve with the motivation of love in our heart. We should serve people because we're so in love with the Lord and he's put his love in us and he's saved us that we love him so much and we love him so much. We love his people, but we can leave that place. This church left that place. We need to guard over that. What does it mean to... Leave your first love. I believe it speaks of that devotion to Christ that so often characterizes a new believer. That, that passion that we have as a new believer, that excitement that we have as a new believer, that wonder we have as a new believer when we give our life to Christ. And we can leave that. 
When we read this, we should ask ourselves. And I, and I believe, you know, if you walk with the Lord long enough, you're, you're going to go in those valley times when you're, it's like you, I don't know, Lord, there's a coldness there. And Lord, this has got in my life. And we have to evaluate and maybe do a self-evaluation on ourselves to say, Lord, am I in that place today? And listen, God's word is alive right now. This is his word to the church today. And we need to, to do a self-examination, a self-evaluation, and say, Lord, have I, have I left that place with you? Am I in that place with you, Lord? Do I have that first place? Or maybe I've never had that first love experience with God at all. Have you? Because if Jesus is walking, which he is, he's walking in the midst of his church, he's walking around here, and he's going to each one of us, and he's saying, yes, you have that first love, you have that first love. And then there's some of you, he's looking at you, and he's looking and saying, you don't have that first love. And I'm not looking at anybody. Please, if I'm looking at you, forgive me. I'm like, it's not me. I'm not pointing anybody out. I, I want the Holy Spirit to point you out, though, because God knows, and you're not fooling him. Just like I fooled the lady at the DMV, you know, I fooled her, but believe me, I wasn't fooling God. You're not fooling God. You might be fooling your spouse, you might be fooling people in church, you might be fooling all your friends, but God knows where we're at, and he's not doing it to condemn us, he's doing it to convict us. We have that place with him. That we draw near to him. That we pick it up again. 1 John 4, 8 says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I can say when I met my wife, it was first love. It was pretty much, you know, it was physically for sure. You know, there, boom, we were instantly attracted to each other. There was that excitement. There was that passion. There was that wonder that took place. That was 16, it'll be 16 years, September 16th. And that's where the ladies go, aww. <laughs> the guys are just rolling their eyes, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but I can say, I can truly say that the love I have for my wife is deeper and stronger today than it was when I first met her. I'm not just saying that, just say that. I mean it. And I believe the reason why our love for each other is deeper and stronger is because we spend time together. We, over the years, we get to know each other. We, we were able to, you know, to, to have things, to, you know, history together and pains and hurts and all kinds of, you know, trials together. And it, and it grows rich and deeper than it was when we first met. But I don't, you know, admittedly, we, do, we don't have that, maybe that initial, you know, excitement and passion and wonder. You know, she still wonders about me, but it's, it's a whole different thing. <laughs> But it's not that same excitement and zeal that we had when we first met. No, but it is richer and deeper. And I think the same thing goes with our relationship with God. When we give our life to him, there should be that zeal, that excitement. But, but get this, as you spend time in his word, as you spend time with him in prayer, as you spend time in, with him in fellowship, when you have time with your devotional time with him, it should grow richer and deeper and you should have a, a deeper, mature relationship with him. But we still always have to keep on guard that nothing gets in there. We serve a jealous God. How do we know when we're in danger of leaving our first love with him? I wrote down some things. You might want to write them down. You might want to ponder through them as we talk about evaluation. I wrote, number one, do I read my Bible because I'm supposed to and not because I want to? Do I read my Bible because I'm supposed to and not because I want to? Does my mind and mouth switch to cruise control during the praise and worship time? 
Does my mouth and mind go to cruise control? Maybe if that's happening, that can happen to any one of us. During the greeting time, when we greet one another, do I wish everyone would just leave me alone? <laughs> I could be a, that's right, it shouldn't be that way, exactly. But if it is, there's a, something going on in your heart. You could be leaving that first love, and that's why you don't want to be near people. Jesus gives us a solution, gives them the solution. And someone once said it's in three R's, and so I like that. It's easy to remember, three R's. Remember, repent, and repeat. Remember, repent, and repeat. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.